Okay. Well, let me know when you guys are ready, because I am. Oh, this uh, is like, let me just do a little stretch. There we go, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, run a marathon? <laughs> Why do you need to stretch to talk? There we go. Got to get the old you butt don't... ready to sit. But, but you're a gamer, you're used to like eight hours marathons of gaming. Hello, you're listening to the Relics of War podcast, a podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, and the Guild Wars community on the whole. My name is Ryan Singleton, and I'll be your host. With me here today is Tasha from the Guild Wars Guru Forums. She's the governor of all your auctions and all that sort of stuff, so you can blame her for what goes wrong there. And also, she is from Split Infinity Radio. How are you doing, Tasha? Hiya. Yeah, I'm doing all right today, thanks. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good. And And also with us is Chaz from the Canadia. Hey guys, how's it going? Doing really well. Got a little bit of the sniffles because I did a lot of mowing the lawn yesterday. I, they were huge weeds. I'm talking two, three feet tall. So yeah, real sniffly. Well, you feel like coming and mowing my lawn, that'd be awesome because I think I'd be mowing weeds at the moment rather than grass. So Yeah. And also, um, talking about Split Infinity Radio, uh, Tasha is going to be having a dedicated Guild War show on Split Infinity Radio. And I believe we all need to be savvy to uh, when that'll be and... How we can support that? Yep, um, it will be indeed. Um, it may not be this week, but it'll be the following week, starting Wednesdays at 6 p.m. GMT, that'll be 1 p.m. Eastern, for all three hours. We'll be broadcasting from inside the game, probably from Lion's Arch, because uh, it's my favourite town and game. Um, and we'll just be kind of talking about community news, hopefully breaking the Guild Wars 2 news live on air. Um, we have an, our own IRC channels. People just can hop in, have discussions with other people, and if we get enough people and enough of a community built up. I'll also be taking um, your opinions and discussions live on air. You'll be able to call into the show. So, yes, Wednesdays, Spinfinity Radio, siradio.fm. Um, that is the place to be, folks. Man, okay, so was that entirely impromptu? Yeah. Holy crap. I know. Well played. It's one of the great things with radio. You get used to talking bollocks for you know <laughs> without even thinking about it. Any news for you, Chaz? Like, any, like Guild Wars accounting? Never mind. I can't even think of anything. Guild Wars accounting. Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, jeez. I don't know. Um, just making concepts, selling them, pretty much. Just keeping track of that. Kind of just keeping myself. Uh, so, this hmm? this gives us a good a good time to give a shout out to a guildie who I like to call the Texas Chicken because that guy he is like the stock market guru of Guild Wars. So he's that's Warren the- Buffett of of uh, Guild Wars, basically. He's the Oracle of Omaha. Yeah. Yeah, so if anybody at least needs somebody to sell their crap for them, that's another incentive to join Relics of War. Is simply, <laughs> we've got a guy that'll trade stuff for you, no problem. He's addicted to it. So you see, there's nothing to do with accounting in Guild Wars. I have to admit, and it's r- rather embarrassing, I actually have a database that tracks all my uh, Guru Auctions trades for the last like three years. So I actually can plot graphs of what all the inscriptions have done over the last three years. It's ridiculously sad, but it's really helpful. Price check stuff. I bet Chaz actually, just started salivating. <laughs> actually, what I do is I just open up Notepad, and the thing with uh, when you're selling concepts is that you gotta buy um, X number of materials, trade them in, which costs a small fee, and then sell the items, and you basically get a small profit. So basically, what I do is I just write down what I want to pay for each um, 
stack, uh, stack of materials, and then I just realize what's the profit margin? Is it worth my time to do this, or is there a demand for it at the moment? And then I just go from there. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So me being the extreme like in in game monetary nub cake that I am, I'm just sitting here sipping my coffee, and I'm like, right on. <laughs> You can get really, really obsessive about this stuff. You really can. But then oh, you, it's like... you Yeah, when I was in WoW, I started to get really obsessive about it. In fact, there was a podcast about the economics of WoW that I even listened to. It was kind of pathetic. But it, that really was one of the funner parts of that game was the auction house. So I'm looking forward to Guild Wars 2 having a similar feature. You're going to see a lot more interest in the economics in that game. Yeah. The only bit mm-hmm. downside is I will become obsolete. So. <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> It'll be good. I'm um, actually really, really looking forward to the auction house. Um, mostly, actually, not to do with the auction house itself, but you'll be able to track it online. So you'll be able to like check prices and put bids in for stuff whilst you're not even in game, which is really, really cool. I love doing that in Ion. You couldn't actually pick up stuff or list it, um, but you could see what of yours had sold on the broker, and that was really, really handy for turning around profit margins. Yeah, Guild Wars 2 is going to be really beefy just on the you know API. Um, the game communicating with the web on the whole. So auction houses, you, you'll be able to track people in an armory type thing. I'm really looking forward to what I read about that because Guild Wars 2 is not going to be just in-game client uh, accessible. No. No, but no. I don't know if they've actually announced that you'll be able to embed it on your own website or it's actually just going to be like on their website. Have, they, have I missed something on that or have they just not told us yet? I don't think they've told us, but they may have. I'm, we'll I'm get an email about it sometime over the week. Someone will correct us. Yeah, so. someone with a comment. They'll be like, you guys are idiots. This yeah, probably. Well, I really hope they will because um, it'd be nice to be able to embed that stuff on your own homepage. And that means that you won't have to direct people to both the Guild Wars website and your own Guild website. Because that in itself is hard enough. Getting people to actually visit your god websites. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say, I hope they will. As in, I hope they will call us idiots. <laughs> people will do that regardless whether we're right or wrong there'll still be someone who goes you guys are knobheads yeah but that's alright that's cool also this past week we we did an, that Urgaz run in celebration of Tiger Feet's blog's two year anniversary that was pretty pro good news everyone it was a splitting success <laughs> good news everyone yeah you yeah. got an exhausted bar I'm, that exhaustion in there was ridiculous on a monk, and I was actually very aware of it, so it never got ahead of me. But it was so hard to just be like, all right, all right, I can hold off on this heal party just a couple more. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, exhaustion is pretty rough on a non-elementalist. Yeah, yeah, I bet on a dervish it was bad, too. Uh, the thing with a dervish is that they're right now just devoted to pretty much just attack spamming, so there's only like one spell, and even if you use it, that spell that I was using pretty much just re... re uh, recovers all your energy in just one go anyway. So you're pretty much, it doesn't matter if you ha- you're sitting with 15 energy or 45, you're always going to be at top no matter what. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, I, ha- I had to steal Tiger Feet's UA, and then I was going HB. And at first I was trying to use all these other spells to keep people alive, and then I realized the other two monks got that. It's when all the damage started coming in, and I was, you know, the UA HB heal party guy. I was like, screw it. I'm here to save the big ones. And when all the health went down, it was like, Everything's better again, guys. <laughs> I can't believe I was... You like that? that yeah. That sound from heaven above. <laughs> but yeah, I want to do something like that again. That was really good. Although I, I think we're going to try and... As time goes on, our guild's growing really fast. We're probably going to have to keep it to guildies as we start to do this stuff more and more. Um, so if, like I say, you guys got to join Relics of Or, you want your stuff traded, join us. You want to go to Urgaz's Warren? Join us. Just saying. And any future events, I will try to be on time. <laughs> 
you're you're like an honorary Relics of War member. Well, yeah, but it just really sucks because I was like, I know I need to stay up. I have to stay up. I have to stay up. And then I got there and I was like, I'm an hour late. Shit. That's crap. <laughs> that did suck. It was a full party. and I mean, we had just gotten our last party member when you showed up, too. Uh, it was totally my bad. I kind of forgot my time conversions to Central, so, yeah. I remember when the first time Chaz told me his time, um, he put GMT for General Mountain, which is what... That's what yeah. that's what you put right, and that's what I'm in too. But I thought he was saying that for Greenwich. I'm like, you're from Can, you're from the Canadia, but you're you're from Greenwich Mountain time. So I was all I was way confused. Where are you from exactly? And then I realized the center oh, of the earth. Being from Mountain time and seeing people call our time zone GMT also as often as I do, I should have picked up on that. Well, Death technically we're, we're BST at the moment, British summer time, but no one knows what that is. So it's just <laughs> easy to say GMT. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Captain, what be that over there? Or let be sequel scuttlebutt. And I believe you're going to dominate this conversation, Tasha, because it was Rangers being confirmed for Guild Wars 2, and I don't know what Rangers. I had nerdgasms on Wednesday, I had to say. I was on air when they actually broke the whole Rangers are confirmed thing, and because I don't like like watching videos whilst I'm on air, just in case I die, um, I had to just sort of skim read stuff and also sort of watch the IRC discussion that was going on um, and then later on that night I actually watched the videos and I couldn't sleep because I was like oh my god this is so freaking awesome and the thing that got me wasn't even the fact that it, A it's really well animated B it's really dynamic and C the mobile looks awesome excuse my language sorry it was actually the little tiny things like you watch the spread shot video and the ranger is swinging her sword or whatever it is she's got in her hand before she even gets into the fight it's those little tiny things that's just going to add so much to the game yeah i think so. arena net's really getting better at making those videos because every video Every class that they show videos for is just a little more appealing. And I don't think that's to say elementalists are going to be lamer than rangers. It's just, you know, they're realizing what... It's just the hype machine. Yeah. They're trying to build it up, you know? Yeah, and when I saw those videos, I mean, like I say, I've never been big on rangers. I see why some people love them. Trevor's obsessed with them. Uh, So I understand why they're in this game, not criticizing that. I just, like, as I'm reading, whatever. It's it's rangers. And then I saw the videos and I thought, okay, well, if they were ever going to make rangers appealing, that's how they would do it. Mm. (laughs) I've had... So many people complain, though, about the one-liners. Like, they see, they hear the one-liners and go, that's really lame, that's horrible, I hope they can turn it off. And I think you will be able to, because, yeah, that's going to get annoying very, very quickly. But for what they're doing in demonstration purposes, I think it's really important to have those kind of things like that, because it actually adds depth to the the people you're seeing on screen. Right, and they have confirmed you'll be able to turn those off. And the, yeah. they, they don't occur as often as they do in the videos. They're they're kind of structuring that so you get that for the videos effect, but in the real yeah. game you're just you're doing that stuff. Yeah. Did they actually um, confirm that your character would like say these corny one-liners or? Because I, I, I don't think, know. I think it was yes, but not as often as you see in the videos. Like they're not yeah. going to have okay, an epic then. fight. And I think you can turn them off completely too if you just don't want to hear them. I'll probably listen to them for a little while just to know how many Spider-Man quips they put in the game and then just turn them <laughs> off. <laughs> I call them Spider-Man quips because, I mean, it is. It's like Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wolf and web snappers. <laughs> talking about the uh, discussion video, um, and you're talking about how you know they're slightly they're getting better over time. I don't know. It might have, may have been just me, but I wasn't 
that um, impressed with the video that was showcasing the barrage ability with all the rangers firing arrows that quickly because it kind of like took the realism out of the game because I don't think, no, I don't know, I have never really fired a bow before in my life. I've held one before and I've, you know, drawn the string, but I've never fired an arrow before. And I gotta say, I don't think you can draw and fire that quickly. Well, no, it's a fantasy game. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but I don't, they're kind of, you know, pushing for the realism, and then they give this, they throw this on the plate, I don't know. Well, yeah, but, it, you know, when you chuck a spear, you have to go get it before you can throw another. Exactly. I think it's something like that, where they're just kind of, you know, you're barraging your arrows, we don't give a crap how that gets done. But you might see them really fast pulling it out of their stock or whatever. Um, yeah, I've shot I've shot a bow and arrow before. You will, you can't go that fast unless you're <laughs> insanely pro. I have a machine gun Unless you're Legolas. Yes, Legolas could probably do that. And please, if you're thinking of making a ranger in Guild Wars 2, please don't call them Legolas. It's just so cliche. I remember when WoW first came out, there was a large influx of players who just called their characters Lord of the Rings names because it was in 2005 or something, and that was like when the movies were still being churned out. It's yeah. kind of funny, actually. I'm wondering how many Sephiroths we're going to see in Guild Wars 2. Oh, at least a dozen. Yeah, that name, that's ridiculous. And then people uh, doing bastardized versions of that name, like... Sephiroth. What was the, the other one? The dervish one. There was all these different variations of death that came out around Nightfall. <laughs> I remember seeing all that as well. Grim Reaper and all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Reaps you plenty. But what else was there about the ranger? Uh, like, they were talking about how you could tame sharks. Are, are you stoked about that? I have to say, I'm never really attuned with the whole pet thing in Guild Wars. It's never been a particularly good mechanic from a, f- a few b- viewpoints that have partially been solved in Guild Wars 2 with the fact of if you had a ranger, if you had a pet and you're taking your pet in Guild Wars, you had to basically either spec so your pet was doing all the damage and you were kind of just there cheering them on or you kind of did this weird hybrid that didn't really properly work. But now it seems like your pet's going to have skills and be on its own, and then you're going to have your stuff. It means that you kind of get away from that. And the other thing that really holds down pets is they have travel time to get between the enemies. And I don't think they're going to be able to solve that one. It's going to take time for your pet to switch targets and start attacking and doing all those kind of things. And I know this is kind of bleeding on to Speculator's Corner, but I don't think they're going to solve that. And... I'm really going to have to um, see how the ranger acts before I really decide whether I'm going to choose that or another gunner class. Um, Because it's the ranged abilities that really interest me in rangers. It's the interrupting, it's the poisoning, it's the spreading conditions and and generally being a pain in the butt rather than having my little pet that's, you know, nomming on people. I like the whole going underwater thing. A lot. I love the idea of having that much of a Z-axis, that much of an expansive space, and I guess we're going to be loaded with it in this game. But the whole shark pet thing, I mean, I understand you need a pet that can be underwater, but actually having, everyone's like freaking out over, it's a shark! Who? All right, I guess. I mean, that's cool. I got an underwater pet, but I don't care that it was a shark. I could also go with a sea urchin or an amoeba. That's fine. Really? An amoeba. Seriously, go big or go home. (laughs) No, man, if you had, like, a, a pet, like, mass of amoebas, could you imagine that? Sh- attacked by this big pink blob. Oh, my God, what's it doing to me? I've got a cold now. See, I don't know. Um, an amoeba is pretty primordial. I don't think you could really tame one of those. It's really just there to absorb stuff and get bigger and stop, then split. Stop it with your rationalization and crap. <laughs> 
And I'm also death. interested in how we're going to be able to stay underwater as long as we are. How they're going to explain that law-wise, because yeah. I think was it Eric Flanham that someone described how there's going to be a consumable that is easy as hell to make, and you just use that and it keeps you underwater for a really long time. So basically, it's like a justification for you going underwater that's not a pain in the butt to get hold of. This just in: a potion did it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later in regard to consumables and all that. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, another thing that was confirmed about Guild Wars 2, I didn't see where this was confirmed, but everybody's yapping about it like it is. So look at me, I'm awesome, I know what I'm doing here. Is that you can have different guilds for different tunes. Did any of you yes. see? That, that's yes. actually confirmed, right? Heard about that, that is confirmed. Actually. It was a really, really early post that came up about that. Um, I think it was the same time they announced the, the, the API for your guild. And for, well, not for the auction house, but the one for you, so you can see guild chat okay, uh, and outside I, the game. And I see a lot of speculation. People are asking, how's this going to work? Are, are you going to be able to talk in the channel for all the guilds that all of your characters are in? My guess is whatever character you're on, his guild is the one you can talk to at that time. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, like I'm not sure. Um, I can't remember now. I think they might have said something that you could choose which ones you were looking at. Oh, really? Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow, that would go a I step I might be making, making that up. That might have been a discussion I had with someone along the lines of, it would be cool if you could do this, and now I've made it, you know, so it's actually real. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, because the internet will listen to this and be like, crap, that Tasha just put us on the pedestal. <laughs> well, from my point of view, as a, I mean, I, I've been running a guild and alliance for, oh god, um, four years now, and from my point of view, it would be really, really handy if I could have just a little character that I could put into each of my, um, each of the guilds of my alliance. I, you know, I don't really want to play as any of those characters, but I can just keep an eye so I can see whether they're active or, um, you know, what's going on and whether it's, you know, something I need to take up with the guild leader or something. Because at the moment, it's really hard to tell whether you're, um, the guild that you're, is in your alliance is actually active or they're just being really, really shy. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, actually. Um, I've been in several alliances before, and I find that there's always just one or two guilds that you don't you don't really hear anyone talking in that area, and it's not like you can really um, just figure out if they're actually active because you don't have their guild roasters available to you. You can't mm. see who's online, who hasn't been online for X number of t- uh, days or months or whatever. I mean, I guess it was just like an oversight because alliances were a new feature in Guild Wars. But it would be kind of cool if you could just, you know, keep in touch with your alliances and know who's online, who's not. Because it, it doesn't really feel like a, an alliance where it's a combination of guilds where you don't really know, you can't really keep track of your members. I would like to see something that's kind of a, a, a lookup function in the game where you can look up who's in a zone. You just type in the name of the zone. You can tell, okay, mm-hmm. I want to look up who's in this specific guild. Type in the name of that guild. I mean, I couldn't see that being too privacy invasive. It's in all um, kinds of other games. I will bring up one thing. Tools like that are perfect for PM spam bots for gold. Oh, like. well done. Okay. Meh. Just ban them. So, yeah, well, the trouble is that you think of all these great features, and the second that you do, someone will find a way to exploit them. Yeah. True. So, yeah. Screw you, gold spammers. You suck. Here, let me just translate that for you. One zero zero one one zero zero one one zero 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 one one zero zero two. You know there there are ten types of people in this world: those that know binary and those that don't. Yeah. Too true. So then there's that, and the last little note we want to talk about, and I don't think we're going to have a whole lot to say on it, is there will be no walking in Guild Wars 2. You either run or you stand still. What? I know. What, what am I going to do about my RPing now? What? 
I'm, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. What is this? I don't even. Seriously. I really couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, I'm just, the RPers probably don't get their share of representation on podcasts, and that will be a trend that will, a trend that will continue. Sorry. Honestly, um, the way I see it, Guild Wars was never really made to be an RP sort of game because, I mean, you have a guild where your entire account is linked to that guild. You have PV- a game that was designed with PvP in mind, and then it just recently switched to PvE. So it wasn't really designed with RP in mind at the beginning. It was just really, you know, big in the... Well, what I kind of argue is that that no real game... Well, not, not real game, but no MMO is really designed with RP in mind. I mean, Guild Wars 2 is offering a lot more than most other people... You know, most other um, MMOs are. But walking, I don't see it as a required feature for any game. Oh, what, no. It's, what, it's really just little extras... What I would recommend for somebody in Guild Wars 2 that wants to RP and walk, just tap the forward button really fast. Just tap, 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 tap. It works. You'll, you'll probably look like you're standing still and moving forward more than anything, but that's kind of cool. You'll be like, I'm sliding. <laughs> Welcome to Speculator's Corner. So there's that uh, Speculator's Corner. I want to I wanna go back on what Tasha was talking about as far as pet AI. I mean, is it going to suck? Will it be pro? I will tell you in about a month's time. Yeah. I'll tell you when the game comes out. If my pet, when I order it to attack, and it runs up to the guy and waits like three seconds before it actually initiates an offensive action, then I'll say, yeah, it's still terrible. But until then, I don't know. I mean, there's a huge balance that needs to be struck there because you're already you're already managing one character. And having to manage your pet, they could make it as intense and robust as they want as far as how the pet works. But then they also make it like Micro City, which Trevor would love. He'd be like, oh, yeah, look at me. But not most people could do that. So, I mean, it sounds like they've got a decent balance where you can tell them how aggressive to be, tell them what you know abilities they've got available. Um, personally, though, this this is one of the things about Rangers I've never liked is just pets are cool and all, but they don't. I don't think they're one of the stronger aspects of MMOs. I oh, definitely you not. You can flame me as much as you want, but it seems to be one of those things that will eventually just fade by the wayside, pets and MMOs. Well, I don't know. Pets come in various different forms in various different MMOs. I mean, take Age of Conan, you've got your demonologist, where you've basically got um, a little succubus thing that follows you around and shoots spells at, people, uh, you know, at enemies that you're attacking. And that even in itself, isn't done overly well because I can start attacking something and it'll take my pet demon like two seconds to work out that it should probably start casting. And then by the time they've actually got off one spell, it's like nearly dead. So, not the best. But the thing that's that's worrying me slightly is that your pet will almost be required for your ranger in Guild Wars 2. To achieve balance? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they've actually said in one of more of the interviews that if you don't want to have a pet you're better off playing another one of the range classes which to me is like well but i like my bows so it's gonna be weird and if the ranger is there in gamescom um when i play the guild wars 2 i'll be so like well is this actually gonna work at all you know Um, i didn't i didn't think there was going to be a gunner type a profession in Guild Wars 2, but with this in mind, it almost seems like it'll be necessary to have somebody else that does yeah. melee ranged. Because there's so and many the, people that are like, I don't want to have a pet, but I do want to do melee ranged damage. Well, they actually did announce that the warrior will have a lot of bow skills and like bow proficiency abilities. It won't yeah, be just like true. one of those things where it's just, oh yeah, you can use a bow, but you're not going to be good at it. 
The other thing is that um, they didn't give Rangers the ability to use any guns at all, which does rather point to the fact that there is going to be a dedicated gunner class. And the guns mm. aren't something that they announced and just later scrapped? I no. Mean, it's, it's pretty they're soon. They're no, no, they're, they're still, they're still um, in the works. Oh, I don't see how we could go without a gunner class then, baby. <laughs> yeah. Pew, pew. I'm going to make a pew, pew laser class. Well, you know how like every profession's got a nickname, like the Paragon is the cheerleader? Yeah. We can make the gunner class as a pew, pew. Pew, pews. <laughs> that's actually what people call elementalists right now oftentimes, but they shall be usurped. Wait, that's not the right word. Debunked. Overthrow. I, yeah. I think elements has to be like pro healers now. So yeah. Yeah, it does seem like that's that's a good segue you got there because I wanted to talk about how they're saying that the so the, well the water elementalist will be a pretty good healer for this game and I was even hearing the Silvari would be best because they're gonna have a racial that goes with that. Are you guys? Mm-hmm. Does that excite you? Um. About playing a water Ellie. Well, I never really had an urge to really play an elementalist to begin with, just because I don't like what the elementalists look like in Guild Wars at all. But <laughs> might be different what? in Guild Wars 2, who knows? Wait, wait, wait. You mean you don't like women not wearing a lot with big boobs that jiggle? This doesn't seem like, you know, a kick-butt elementalist type, you know? I wanted to roll, if there was, a, if there was you know, a whore class, then there we go. That's the perfect model for it. <laughs> well, they are the hussies, aren't they? Pretty much. No, well, see... I, I think the, the elementalists are like the, the teenage girls that want to put everything on show, and Mesmers are like MILFs. <laughs> I can see that. That's very good. Walking around in their underwear, not necessarily. But they're kind of classy about it. Yeah, exactly. They're classy. They don't, yeah. They're just mesmerizing you. They only want yeah. you to see what they want you to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I, I forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about uh, pie. Pie? I like pie. Pie's good. Has anyone got apple pie? You know, apple pie is all right. Hey, you say that to Lemon American. meringue. Amer- yeah. Americans like lemon meringue more than apple pie. It's really sad how apple pie is the, like, the thing for America. No, it's not. We need to be the lemon meringue pie nation. Huh. Strawberry rhubarb. That is the best pie ever. That just sounds weird. No, it's, it's good. Tra- I love it. It's really good. I might have to try and make it. They, the, 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 the tastes really complement each other, actually. So, yeah. We should the see if Tiger will, we'll see if Tiger will make you some. She's got like a whole... Should I be talking about her agricultural? Maybe she's like a farmer and she's like, I want people to know I'm a farmer. But uh, also in Guild Wars 2, we want to talk about consumables. What role will they play? Because in a lot of games, you have to stack up on like, you know, mana potions or healing potions or armor boosting consumables. Is that going to be necessary in Guild Wars 2 or are we mostly going to be self-sufficient and just have small little cons that we can sometimes bring and be like, look, I brought an armor of salvation. I hope not. It depends. It depends. I mean, right now in Guild Wars, the uh, consumables they have, they're just they're so powerful, you know? When you bring them, you really do notice the effect. And if they do something like that, um, then it people are going to use them and it's going to feel necessary. If they bring them in for, like, in World of Warcraft, the way that they handle their consumables is basically just a little statistical bonus. But the thing is, is that why wouldn't you not bring that potion? You might as well, so you're just that more use, that much more useful, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what um, I don't like about consumables is in the yeah. end, the developers always end up having to balance around the consumables. Yeah. So why not skip that step and just make consumables like helping you breathe underwater? Yeah, okay, that's cool. I need that to go underwater. Well, right at the start of the game, the only consumable that was really around was the Dwarven Ale that you can go buy in like drops mm-hmm. and stuff. And then like Winter's Day, they brought over the candy canes and that was okay. I mean, I made a fortune off of candy canes. But anyway, they... <laughs> 
they're all right. Removing death penalty, that I can see a point of, but it's when you start buffing, uh, like the, the birthday cupcakes and, and all those kinds of things. The birthday cupcakes are all right, but the essences and the armors, it makes the game so easy feel. on hard modes that you may as well just be on normal mode. It's ridiculous. I don't like it, and I refuse to actually use them if I could possibly avoid it. Yeah. yeah just I... personal preference there. I, I just don't like them. I mean, I can see where they're going to come in in Guild Wars 2. If for no other reason, then it's a damn easy um, crafting class, that cl- cl- crafting profession for them to add into the game. But otherwise, I really hope they're not necessary. Agreed. I personally hope that... Uh... They don't introduce those kind of big, those big ticket consumables. Um, this is just a pet peeve when I like go on to uh, speed clears and whatnot in PVE and Guild Wars. Um, when it, usually the group they share the the cost of the con set or the consumable set, and they draw. And usually it's like around let's say 8,000 gold. So everyone, since there's eight people in the group, everyone drops 1,000 gold, and then the person who's providing the mater- the uh, consumable picks it up. And I just think if they're going to be reintroducing that kind of thing to Guild Wars 2, they should have an interface feature that allows the group just to immediately just throw it to the person bringing it. And well, what I'm trying to say is, if they're going to introduce these big ticket consumables, they should develop the game around the kind of things that could develop with the, the kind of uh, culture trends in the game that could develop with these this introduction. Because I think in Guild Wars it was handled quite poorly. The only other thing that I would say in relation to that is, I don't know how consumables like the essences would work in a persistent world rather True. than an instance world because it's like i just gonna be buffing up your group is it your group that's going to have those bonuses in which case what happens if someone leaves if someone else enters what happens if someone is only soft aligned to your group so they're they're just passing by do they mm-hmm. get the bonuses as well um i think the doing consumables like that creates a lot more problems than it solves um, whereas having your own personal potions would be a lot more feasible. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I think ArenaNet's pretty well ahead of this consideration. I think in Guild Wars, they were already thinking this way, where they're like, let's just balance the game around what you can do. We got enough on our plate. We can't go sitting here complicating things. But as the game progressed, it was kind of getting to where, you know, we're we're going to make another game. Let's make this fun. Let's throw them some new crap. And they just yeah. sent us their consumables. Yeah. I think in Guild Wars 2, they're going to yeah, they're going to go back to their old mindset and be like, hey, guys, let's balance this game around the the professions and the classes, and we'll deal with consumables later on. And so, like Tasha said, we're probably going to get some, but they're going to be for things like how okay. to how to deal with something that already happened. So, oh, we screwed up here, but this consumable will help us to be forgiven, as <laughs> opposed to, in order to get this done, we're going to need this in the first place. Well, the, the whole consumables things seemed to start out as though like it was little presents for the various different holidays, like the, the ghost summoners and things like that. And that's fine. I have no problem with them giving us like jack-in-the-boxes or snowmen or booze. I quite like drunkard titles, so yeah, more booze, please. Um, and all that kind of stuff is fine. It's when you start boosting up like your entire party and areas and things like that that's when it gets yeah. out of hand and i think You're adding that's the what kind of happened there's a power creep there that happened i think and i really don't want it to happen again please <laughs> what i want to see for holidays and stuff i i could see people disagreeing with me pretty heavily but i would like to see them coming out with specific like costume sets you can buy from the store 
during the holidays. So once you bought it, I mean, no one else gets it next year, you know? So people see what you're wearing, they can't have that. It doesn't affect gameplay, your actual armor status or anything like that. And people are like, well, why would you want to buy it from the store? Well, because I want ArenaNet to make good money off of this so that the game has a good, strong base. I would love I to mind- see stuff like that. I'm not a fan of those costumes. I've not bought any, even though I, I won one of the mantle coats, so I had that thing, which wasn't the best, but never mind. Um, I don't okay. have a problem with that, but my, I, I guess I don't want to see a power creep, a creep there either. That you know, it is all cosmetic, and then all of a sudden they start selling something that isn't cosmetic. Oh no, no, yeah, I don't. Oh, they've been they've been quite vehement that, that when they said that. It's not going to be like other games where you buy money, where you sorry, you buy like in-game powerful, pertinent gameplay-changing abilities. It'll all be cosmetic, or it'll all be just convenience, like let's say additional storage tabs. Yeah. So, and mark my words on this. I'll, I'll eat crow if I have to. I am certain we will never see the day that ArenaNet puts something on the market that makes you viable in-game. So long as Isaiah Cartwright is on the team, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Mm, yeah. We'll see. NCSoft did it with Ion. They sold these Valentine's Day packs, which gave you some bonus in-game items. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it might not be ArenaNet that forces their hand on that. No, that would suck. I, okay. But it has to be ArenaNet that does it for me to eat crow. If ArenaNet does it, I'll yes. be like, come on, guys. Yes. Oh, Togo, I just want to get through this already. Shut Ah! Now let's talk Guild Wars Classic. And I'm going to start calling it that. Because Guild Wars 1, that sounds dumb to me. If you say Guild Wars, it's too ambiguous. But Guild Wars Classic, that sounds pro. So, Guild Wars Classic. Guild Wars Wars Original. Yeah. For today's Togo Soapbox, we're going to talk about how identification and salvaging work and when to use it, when not to. I guess I could uh, spearhead that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so Guild Wars has this uh, feature called identification and salvaging. You basically buy salvage and identification kits that perform these functions whenever you buy whenever you find an item in the world where it be, whether it be magical or not you can identify it and it'll tell you how much gold it's worth and if it's a magical item it'll tell you what that magical item does um, and how rare it is let's say um, but usually what happens is that depending on what item you get um, identification actually increases the value of the item slightly and yeah, it's just basically what you do when you want to know what item, what items, what, and whether the item is powerful, right? Um, salvaging is a really—I don't know—I think it's probably done in other MMOs, but for Guild Wars, it was pretty—it was pretty cool compared to some other games where you'd like, where you'd actually have to gather materials from like, I don't know, either sewing or like skinning boars or whatever. Um, salvaging is where you just um, find items and you break them down into base components. So, for example, you, you find a longsword and you salvage it and you get some iron from it or maybe some steel what what have you and you use those materials to to uh either you know make consumables or make armor for your characters or you can even trade it to other players who would do the same thing so basically it's a way of uh generating an economy with this with uh salvaging yeah so i'm sorry go ahead go go keep going keep going okay so let's say you're you're doing a napui quarter or some mission and and a mob dies and it drops this little item that's blue. You go and you pick that up and it'll say unidentified. Use the identification, identification ID kit. kit. Yeah, ID kit on that thing. And it'll tell you, you know, it's it's got uh, plus one to your mom, something like that. Then you can salvage that piece. I know, I just totally came up with that. And then you can salvage that off of that item if you wanted to, if you wanted to and put it on another item. 
or whatever. But uh, usually it's just in use for those items that come up colored. So it's blue or yeah. – except for green. doesn't work on green. No. One but point it, as well is that um, if you've got a brand new account and you're identifying things, as you unlock more powerful – as you identify more powerful components, you'll find that you unlock those components for PvP characters. So if you identify a shield that has a plus 30 um, fortitude mod on it, it will then become unlocked for your PvP character so you can attach a plus 30 health mod onto your PvP shields. And I would say most of the time when I identify stuff, I end up selling it. But if you identify it, it's worth more. So it's worth doing still. Sometimes, though, especially if something gold drops, yellow, whatever you want to call it, you want to identify that and see if there are components there that you want to keep. Like if it's chance of 20% on something, like there's a 20% boost with a chance of 20% happening, you'll want to salvage that off there because that's really useful. Um, yeah. Especially if, you, if there's a piece of armor that drops and it's gold, man, check that because if you get a superior rune of vigor, that's mighty sexy. You're swimming in gold pretty much for the new player um, anyway. One yeah. other thing, if you identify a gold item, you will increase your wisdom title as well. Yeah, so if you're trying to make money, you might hold off on identifying that gold and go to Commandant yeah. and just say, hey, I've got an unidentified here. You want to buy it? It's usually 7 for 5k, something around that mark. Yeah, it's yeah. really not at the that time, great. At the time of this podcast, anyway. At the time of this podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything's slowly dipping in value as Guild Wars 2 is nearing completion. Um, and also, it doesn't matter what, got, what which character you identify golds on, the wisdom title counts for all characters. So you can yep. just go ahead and ID. Another thing is that um, a little tip that I found out, which is quite handy, is that um, if you salvage um, a mod off of a, an item and you retain it, um, and then don't sell that mod... Um, you end up basically with 25 gold for pretty much whatever mod it was. So if you're not sure whether you'll be able to sell the the you know something that you've identified as being worthwhile selling, keep it on the gold item until you're ready to sell. Um, because that way, if you don't sell it and within a reasonable time, you can just go ahead and sell it to the merchant. You've lost nothing um, because the item might break if you salvage it, um, and you'll be you know you'll lose out on several hundred gold. Unless you buy a speaking perfect of, salvage uh, kit, but perfect salvage kit. Yeah, but that's not never worth it. Yeah. It's worth it if you're salvaging like your armor and you don't want to, you know, break your obsid or your, you know, 15k armor. Yeah, speaking of salvaging, actually, there are salvage kits, and you kind of uh, mentioned this. There, salvage kits come in four flavors. There is perfect salvage kits. There are superior salvage kits, expert salvage kits, and just salvage salvage kits. Salvage kits are just the basic thing, or just the basic sort of rudimentary um, item you use to salvage items. They only can salvage normal items, and they cannot. And you can, and if you find, let's say, um, a weapon that gives you a plus 20 to awesomeness, you can't use your normal salvage kits to remove that item and put it on another item if you're choosing. However, expert salvage kits and superior salvage kits, as well as perfect salvage kits, can do this. Um, expert salvage and superior salvage are pretty much this exact same thing. Only one's bigger than the other. You can use it more often than the, you can use it more often without breaking. Um, expert salvage kits. When you try and remove components from items, there is a 50/50 base chance that the item will will uh, break or stay intact. And as you increase your rank in I believe the treasure hunter and wisdom title, you'll get a bonus to this. So as you um, get more wise and wise you'd be able to you're able to retain the items um, as you salvage them and another thing to keep in mind is if you don't want to pay the price for like a superior expert salvage kit 
you can buy those with those little commendations you get or the, the, the prizes you get for doing missions and quests in a storyline. And you only get those once per character, but let's say you go all the way through factions, you get a ton of Imperial Salvage or I'm sorry, Imperial Commendations, and those can be used towards superior salvage kits. I actually have oh, yeah. collected like all of those different tokens you can get on my like all my characters and I keep them in my storage and every time my character needs to do salvage kit I just go and trade those in because mm-hmm. they're so mm-hmm. much better than like keeping money. In if your you're in prophecies though, you're out of luck by the way. Yeah. yeah. And I of the North as well. True, but I of the North was like kind of an expansion y thingy. Yeah, yeah, but, but some people have only have prophecies in either north. True, they, they true. sold that, that pack together, so. Yeah, that's true. In yeah, terms which... of identification kits, there's no real difference other than how many uses you get with each. Yeah, that's there is actually some. Someone did some math somewhere that said it's better to identify everything in your even white items because they'll increase in price. But that's I always true. feel wrong doing that, so. It actually does increase the price by a lot when you think about it. It's a, this is a, an accounting mathy thing. But yeah. <laughs> um, it's like four gold per. It costs four gold per identification, and when each time you identify even like a really run-of-the-mill common item, you're gonna add around ten to twenty gold, maybe even forty gold to the bait into the value of that item when you vendor it. Jeez. So yeah, that's a big turnaround. I mean, even though it's on a small scale, over time, uh, it's hey, one of those things that you, over time it just increases is, your value. Yeah. So what you've lost is double clicks. Yeah, pretty much. So if you if you guys don't like that kind of busy work, don't do it. But it does help a bit over time if you're in the if you're in a Guild Wars financial crisis. <laughs> I am I am right now because I just got my uh, new SOS writ decked out and. Yeah, that's one of the most expensive things you can do in Guild Wars is create new characters. So if you're one of those people who creates a character and then two weeks later deletes it for a new one, stop doing it. You're wasting your money. Yeah, you want to keep your characters as long as... like If you keep making ritualists because you're just indecisive, start thinking in the way of the older I can get this character, the better. Because old characters get awesome pets on their birthdays. Like my monk is the first... Is the oldest character I've gotten. I mean, he's back from like 2006, I think. And some of the pets I get on that guy are just incredible. Oh, yeah. They definitely have an incentive to keep you with your characters for a while. Yeah. Not to mention how many skills you unlock and get to keep on that character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is your pro tip, dudes. The SOS Ritualist, also known as Mobile Spirits, and other builds and stuff. This is an incredibly structured segment, dudes. Uh, my SOS Rit, I was unaware of just how awesome SOS really is. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I think my Elementalist is done. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. whether it's one enemy or a bunch of enemies, you've got it handled. You just waltz in there and pull up those spirits, and you see numbers all across your screen. You go after Number one store. boss. Yeah, you go after one boss and put painful bond on him. Yeah, see you later, buddy. You're gone. Yeah, it's even crazier when you bring a, a paragon with anthem of envy because that ability will increase the damage of all of your attack skills on the next creature that you fight, and it'll affect spirits as well. Yeah, I'm thinking of going secondary paragon just to bring that. <laughs> Oh, I think you'll you'll get go uh you'll get way ahead. You'll be fine with just using painful bond. Yeah, <laughs> you're right though. It is a it's a number storm. It goes all the way across your screen. So you see 20, and 20 is not a lot of damage. But when you see about I don't know 22 instances of 20 damage across your screen, that's a little different. Reminds me of Heroes Ascent when Nightfall was released. Oh god, searing flames in capture. When was it? Um, uh, it was King of the. I think it was a kill, King of the Hill match where you have to uh. 
make sure that most of your team and your ghostly hero was in the middle of the map and you're facing off against two other teams, right? And it was all it was all a battle royale. And fire was like the thing to use because you just cast a fire spell, a few fire AoE spells in the center, and pretty much no one would go in. Yeah. Yeah. Or are you thinking Savannah Heat? Yeah, that Savannah Heat, Searing Flames, um, Searing Heat, whatever, uh, Ten Eyes yeah. Heat, whatever those things are called. Yeah, yeah, it brought a whole new craziness to PvP. Yeah, I still love my Elementalist, but I can't do the same kind of damage right now thanks to... Well, Searing Flames just isn't quite doing it. I think I get the most damage out of Searing Flames AoE-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, in normal mode, Savannah Heat owns all, but... Oh, yeah. Now nice. that I got this SOS rate, it's like, I don't care what I'm fighting. I don't care if it's hard mode. I'm fine. <laughs> in normal mode, breathing at the enemies makes them fall over. So. Yeah. Pretty much. But that's, of course, that's because we're speaking as grizzled Guild Wars veterans for the... Yeah, uh, that is true. I remember struggling so much. For the common new player, they probably don't really understand the mechanics all that well. They probably don't have a skill bar that's, that really has a lot of synergy between the skills. So it might be a bit dumb. Yeah. Well, well I could dig out, and I probably will do, and post them on, on the Relics forum. Um, I've got some um, fantastic screenshots of my Ranger, the very, very sort of first few builds that she had. I rolled a Ranger Elementalist because I thought, hmm, I'm playing a Ranger, and I'll get some extra damage from being an Elementalist, not realizing that I wouldn't have enough energy. I have mm-hmm. some really, really good screenshots of some pro bars where I have bring, like, Firestorm and Fireball and my pet and stuff like that. So, yeah. I remember being a good old-fashioned Hamstorm. Hamstorm, man. <laughs> Ultimate combo. It's like the, it's the combo that you see like at the in the Guild Wars preview of like the very first Guild Wars game that was released. The preview of it. Be a warrior, hamstring the opponent, then firestorm him. It's the ultimate combo. Yeah. I have one of those. Do you, do you remember the the Guild Wars guides, the, the guidebooks that you could get that have yeah. all the different builds and stuff in there? I sometimes read them every now and again and just laugh at the suggested bills that ArenaNet put in those books. <laughs> yeah. That was their way of saying, please suck at our game, guys. Look, look at this sucky build. Go with that. Oh, we don't have to develop balance at all. They were just trying to do that to uh, promote people just, you know, thinking outside the box and thinking, what kind of combinations can I bring? Yeah. Yeah. But when they suggest bringing Mending a Warrior, yeah. <laughs> Frenzy Mending, Healing Signet. I remember being an Elementalist monk and trying to heal people in Napui Quarter. And I, you can be an elementalist monk that actually heals really well now. There's a build out there, the infuser. But aside from that, it's like, uh, not as a good long idea. as there's no enchantment removal, you can heal much more effectively than a monk, basically. Yeah. The thing that really disturbed me is the fact that I managed to finish the entirety of prophecies with firestorm on my bar. Well, that's the thing. With, that's the beauty with PVE, you know, with normal mode anyway. You can pretty much get through it without really thinking too deeply into the mechanics of the game. Unless you're my pets. guild leader despairing at me as well. I remember yeah. like going into Sorry's Furnace and her being like, um, you really shouldn't be running that bar anymore. I was like, why? Yeah. It's awesome. I don't have any problems with energy at all. Firestorm, firestorm. <laughs> I thought I was so proud, honestly. <laughs> yeah, the first warrior I made, I gave him Frenzy, I gave him Mending, I gave him Healing Signet. And you know what? It was not because I was like, I knew about that like meme in the game. I just thought that that was like a cool idea to like solo stuff, you know? Yeah. With the yeah. limited number of skills I had, I just used that. I can see like it being a trap for new players, you know, because mending is like a fire and forget heal. Yeah. As we wrap up, I want to mention the, again that our guild is still recruiting. We have set up an application process on our forums, though, because we're, we're building so fast, it's hard to keep track, and we want to be able to keep track of who we've added. So if you go to relicsofwar.com slash forums uh, in the, what is it, guilds, RO Guild and Alliance forum, 
Under that is a subforum called Applications. That's where you post your app. Uh, and we'll get back to you on that. It's a really quick turnaround too. You can ask you can ask anybody in our guild already. They'll tell you that it was quick. Um, also, if you want to get hold of us, otherwise you can go to you can email us at relicsofor at gmail dot com. That's O R R relicsofor. You can call us at seven zero eight two zero two nine two six two. We're also on Twitter and Facebook as relicsofor. And uh, yeah, hop on the forums. Also, leave us a, a comment on iTunes. Ooh, 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 I gotta pull up that comment we got on iTunes this week. Okay, I'll be right back. You guys, hold down the fort. Hi. Well, see, I feel now like Dad's gone out of the room and we can be naughty. I wonder what trouble we can get out to now. No, there was actually something earlier on that um, we were talking about the Rangers, and it was something I actually forgot to mention at all, and that was the videos actually showed us the first interaction between fire and the arrows. I don't know if you saw the spread shot one. The Ranger laid traps and then started firing over the top of them and set the the arrows on fire. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually kind of cool. Like, to see that kind of synergy in the game between skills, and it's not just like, you know, the skill has to tell you that. It would be just one of those things that people just learn, that's what you do. Yeah, I have to say, that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to trying out is, you know, getting together with, with my guildies, with some friends, or just some random people, and just figuring out, A, what I can interact with in the world, and B, what all the different skills will do if they if I mix them together. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the uh, team synergies in Guild Wars 2. I especially like the fact that they're not really introducing a health bar, as far as, I'm, as, far as I've read into uh, the Guild Wars uh, developer notes. They're not really introducing a dedicated health bar to the game. They're making it a lot more like Left 4 Dead, where it's it's team based, and you know you got to make sure you all complement each other, otherwise you're all going to get stomped. But also, it feels kind of realistic because it's not like okay, um, you're at death's door, and then someone pricks you with a pin and you die. I don't see that really happening. Even if you were at death's door, I don't think a pin prick would really do much to you. Since some references to the the whole death. Thing where you have some kind of health meter at any rate, and then mm-hmm. when you're down, you go and have like a consciousness level, and then you know you croak it. <laughs> okay, so we got a comment here. This one comes from MJ Archiver. He says, If you're a fan of Guild Wars, this podcast is a great resource, and if you're not, you should be. The Relics of War <laughs> has a great con- yeah, the Relics of War has a great connection to the Guild Wars and ArenaNet community, and a number of very targeted segments, also a very international take on things. As a latecomer to the original Guild Wars, I missed out on a lot of the initial community that built up around the first game. So looking forward to this incredible new energy that the upcoming Guild Wars 2 is bringing. And Relics of War is a big part of that energy. Now, I don't know if you guys are very aware of how good the average iTunes comment is. This guy is a pro. That's like one, oh, of, yeah. the best, that's one of the best comments I've ever seen on iTunes. So cheers it's to you. one of the you. best comments I've ever like heard about you know just a podcast or a song or whatever, a, some related form of media. That was like pretty comprehensive. And I'm not saying this just because yeah. he gave a good review. Yeah, I'm mean, seriously. He's covering all the bases. He's that guy might as well just you know I might just rip that off the site and like put it on Relics of War as like this was a review that we got. <laughs> and I'll put CNET, even though it's really not CNET. It's MJ Archiver. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Woo, woo. So if you want to if you want to get your comments read on iTunes, just uh, leave us a comment. We've only got one. We're getting good ratings though. We haven't gotten any emails yet. I know that we're getting a lot of feedback, but any emails or MP3s that you can send us at relicsofor at gmail.com, we'd love them. We want to play them on the show, so please do that. Also, one thing I want to open up to the public is uh, in some podcasts, especially that are game-related, the host will open up um, an invitation to segments by listeners. So if you want to put together a segment that talks about something we don't, 
and you want to do this weekly or whatever, dude, we'll post it at the end of the show. No problem. We'd love to do that. So get to doing that if you want to be active in our community. I've seen a lot of people actually develop their own podcasts and offshoots based on that. You know, they have such a good segment. People are like, dude, start your own podcast. So it's a great opening into the into the whole podcasting venue. Other than that, I guess we're done, huh, guys? Hello? Hello? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, there we go. So, yep, uh, that wraps up the show. Here we go. Wheel of morality? Wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. turn, turn. Tell, Tell us, us the, the lesson, lesson that, that we, we should, should learn. learn. Chaz. Um, the Animaniacs lie. I do not believe possums, in fact, have pouches like kangaroos. Palsy, palsy, palsy. All right, I'm done. I'm Ryan. I'm Tasha. I'm Charles. See you later. Peace. Peace out. Underneath what's real and what I imagine it to be. That and I have a son, so I'm learning to replace cuss words with... Oh, yeah. The one with the ladies at work is really, really funny because she's got two young daughters and so she now says, for four-foot snakes. <laughs> That's I awesome. Like that. Yeah, the guys at work, they say, son of a buck. <laughs> Talky mushrooms. What? I've always loved the word sodding. Now, Smithy, who I used to do the podcast with, and with, with and he was English, he said that the English don't really say sodding that often except for some of the really older folks. It depends on the context. If I, I tend to say sodding when I'm really frustrated with something. Like, if I've been trying to get something sorted or together, or, you know, physically trying to put stuff together and it won't go, then I'll quite often say, oh, this sodding thing. Yeah. But but no, not generally. What I've been bullets, saying a lot bullets. recently is, is numpty. Numpty? Yeah, numpty. Sir, silly person, stupid person. Oh, okay. I've been calling... You're a numpty. I, I've been calling people a yutz. Guys, a yutz. Yes. That's a funny word, actually. Yeah, I like to pull out words that everybody knows that they just don't often hear. Like, hey, that was pretty spiffy, and they look at me. Fully. <laughs> spiffy. I can buy. Is it yesterday? And it was like in the middle of the day, and I say to Ryan, hey, Ryan, uh, did you email out the outline? I don't know, maybe uh, use the wrong email address or something. He says, oh, yeah, I didn't even start that. And then he starts <laughs> asking the guild for, like, ideas. <laughs> it was funny. What is this? I do not even...